There are 7.5 billion people on planet Earth, and scientists say you can only make friends with 400 of them. Jacob already has 400 friends, so now he can only talk to strangers. This is a podcast with strangers. Welcome to a podcast with strangers. I am your host, Jacob Dyer. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Dyer and Instagram at the Jacob Dyer. I'm here joined by my illustrious beautiful, but also uh, <laughs> hidden in the shadows somewhat, Mr. Dallas Welk. I'm hidden in the shadows and beautiful, I swear. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I saw him <laughs> under the glimmer of moonlight. Um, so if you clicked on this podcast, you may be wondering what this is about. Could this really be a podcast with strangers? What does this mean? Well, I know Dallas, sort of, but what this podcast really is about is about finding people who we know very, very little about and then interviewing them. And we want to talk to people who are curious, who are passionate, who have the strangest but most beautiful hobbies uh, you could ever think. And we're committed, me and Dallas, both of us, not to sound too much like a corporate thing here, but we like to put these people front and center and ask, like, why do you do what you do? Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say weird, but, you know, we're weird. I, I feel like we're just we're as weird, weird as the people that... uh the yeah. weirdos we we get on the podcast. Oh, for sure. So this week we have, for the very first episode, two very special guests. We have Michael and Julia. And I don't think I'll ruin anything about what they're about. I just hope that you stick around and listen to what they have to say. Without any further ado, here's Michael. My next guest is Michael from the Midwest. Michael, pleasure to have you on. Hello, I, I'm glad to be here. Well, Michael, uh, let's, let's open up the conversation with a simple question. If you were in charge of a theme park and you were given the job of designing a roller coaster, what would the roller coaster be called? Oh, fuck. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a real big fan of like r really old school ride names, like the Thrillatron 5000 or something uh -huh. like that. Uh, so it'd probably be something along that lines. Um, but since it would... Definitely be one of those indoor ones. Uh, it would be like the Darkatron. And 5,000 is too low. Like yeah. 7,400. 7,400 is a... Is a yeah. Is a, that's a big uh, number. Yeah, but you never see that... You never see that on, like, products. No, unless it's you don't, some... because they skip... They want that 8. Yeah. They want that 8,000. That 8,000. Nice. Okay, I yeah. like that. Do you know what's one thing that's always baffled me about theme parks is... Um, those haunted house rides, you know? Oh, yeah. Because it's like you can only ride it once. It's not like it's a thrilling ride. Okay, yeah. And also none of them are are, are scary in any way possible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like a shitty play. <laughs> yeah, it's just like watching a shitty play. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but I don't understand how that has kept going because it's just never uh it's never been scary to me if it was something like debt like in big letters then i'd maybe be scared you know or a reminder yeah. about your immortality you know yeah yeah like a student loan bill something like that yeah in your uh, face I, uh, <laughs> I think that the reason they live on is just because they're like a thing they're like a thing right. to add to the list of things you offer Right. Mm, um, yeah. And everyone can ride them. They're like unchallenging. So like you can bring a three year old on it. It's not going to freak him out too much. Yeah. Um, shit like that. 
Um, theme parks are all just about like, I don't know, we need to fucking keep them here. You're in the Midwest. Yeah. And that's not, that's not near. So Florida is, is from the outsider's perspective, an Englishman, like Florida is where like Universal is and Disneyland is and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, California has obviously got a Disneyland of itself, I believe, Anaheim, I think. <sighs> I'm so- there's a Disneyland and a Disney World, and I'm not okay. the person to ask which is which. But yes, sure. one of them is in Florida, one of them is in California. So what is the, is the, is there anything in the Midwest of, of that scale? Not of that scale, but okay. there are... Um, so the Midwest does have, like, especially the upper Midwest where I am, like, a lot of, like, water parks that are really big, right? So, like, not a theme park, but yeah. they, will, they will do giant-ass, like, approaching... Not the multiple, but like one individual Disney theme park, probably yeah. the size of one of those, right? Uh, yeah. Like in Epcot or what have you. But there is no like, no, no, no. Of course not. You, Why would there be? You, There's no people. Well, I suppose there's that. But <laughs> did you ever go to those water parks yourself? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, especially more in the before times. Mm, uh, yeah. For sure. And yeah. then there also are good theme parks in the Midwest. They're just not big, right? Um, yeah. So I personally don't go that often, but they are popular. They are an attraction. I get scared of water parks because of the idea of um, flesh-eating bacteria in the water. That's my fear. Very specific fear. Oh, you... Once you've read one article about flesh-eating bacteria in the water, that's it. You can't go back from that, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, it's like, on. It, I, lo- I love this because it's like such a you're being very logical about this and it's leading <laughs> to an absurd conclusion, right? Because you're thinking like, here's the issue. The probability could be like 0.000001, whatever, right? Sure, yeah. Um, but the effect of that is like infinitely bad. Like having to sit through your flesh being eaten and then like yeah. Rob's dying. That's like the worst possible thing, right? Like that yeah. is some Kafka shit. So, uh, you if you mo- like the overall risk posed by that scenario is the probability of it happening times the impact if it were to happen. That's infinite mm. because it's a small probability times an infinitely bad thing, which is having your flesh eaten. Well, my when I read an article about it, and, and I'm so if anyone's listening to this podcast interview and they do, they are in fact suffering from fleshing bacteria. I, I hope uh, I'm addressing this as. <laughs> as lightly as I can. Be but, fast, dude. <laughs> spending your last moments listening to, to this interview, why not? Um, <laughs> um, I read that once the doctors figure out what you've got, you have about three to seven days left and they can't do anything about it. So once they find out what it is, it's already too late. Oh, so it's like a yeah. death march at that point? It's just oh, like, yeah. oh no. Oh, it's that's like, shitty. Yeah, it's like I've got to do as much wacky shit as I can before I turn to slush. <laughs> Again, very sorry if anyone's listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very sorry. Um, <laughs> the way you described it is like their life becomes like a two and a half star teen movie where they're like, I need to do all these things before I die. So like, and then the last one is like, get kissed. And then it's like, oh. Yeah. Well, have yeah. you have you seen um a, a film called um, Seeking a Friend at the End of the World? It, st- it stars um, uh, Steve Carell. Steve Carell and then yeah. Natalie Portman or someone is in that. I think so. Like, oh, yeah. I have not seen it, but I know what movie you're talking about because okay. the poster is them like standing in a rubble holding hands. Yeah. 
It's it's very good. Um, I thought so anyway. I mean, some people might be thinking I have no taste whatsoever, but uh, this, it basically it's about a meteor hitting Earth in a matter of days, and everyone's living at the last days. And the film starts in this like really memorable way, where Steve Carell's character is at a dinner party, and they're all celebrating, you know, the the last dinner party and everything like that. And then they conclude their meal, and then they go right. I think it's time for some heroin. And then they just start. They just start. And I'm, I think. I think if you had this flesh eating disease, I think that would be kind of how you would conduct your life. Would you agree or disagree with that, Michael? Um. <laughs> I know that's a question you are not expecting. When I have you a philosophy degree, and that did not prepare me for questions of this like moral complexity <laughs> um, you thought you thought you were coming on this nice and innocent podcast I and did. Now- <laughs> um i might not do heroin per se but i would for sure like i don't know look look into doing like dangerous things right like sure other because i guess the problem with like drugs and stuff like that if it was the yeah. end of the world is like heroin is gonna complicate those last days for you quite a lot. Mm, uh, mm. If you're, you know, nodding off, if you're unable, like, go do <laughs> things. off! Right? Like, if, you, if you're it's using heroin off. responsibly, uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, no one whatever. Does no one does, like, a little bit of heroin on the Sunday evening just to take the edge off. Right. No one, no one does that. No, do you not... <laughs> I nodding off refers to a specific thing. Oh, you mean like dying? You mean like no, 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 no. Um, it, nodding is like a an opioid thing. It's like that. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, I'm right. It's that thing. Yeah, I've watched a lot of intervention. I in fact know someone who is on intervention. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Oh, Jesus Christ! What a claim to fame. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> do you remember? I, I I think it was King George. Uh, in the in the I mean. I don't know how much you know the British royal family. None. Okay, well, I think it was. But King I can play George. Mad Libs. You can, yes. <laughs> but basically, King George was dying on his deathbed, and his physician came in, and he said, "There's nothing we can do." And then he said, um, "The king is slowly working his way to the afterlife," and then injected him with like four times the amount of. <laughs> Opium, <laughs> like the lethal dose, like four times as much. So, <sighs> slowly is a bit of an understatement. But I don't know if this compares to your intervention story of your friend. Um, well, sadly, it, it relates kind of too close because my friend is like, surprisingly, oh, inter- <laughs> intervention is like has a has a surprisingly like small amount of deaths over its long run time, like. A small number of people who have been on that show have actually, like, confirmed right. died. And the person I know is one of them. Right, but I don't know what show this is. I'm oh, going to be honest it, with you. So, okay. in my, so in my world, this show Intervention is maybe some sort of, like, MTV-style reality show where they, like, follow somebody with their recovery? Maybe? Oh, in, uh, it's, I think it's unironically kind of great like it is kind of a moral gray area the, the what it is is they uh-huh. reach out the, uh, an addict is recommended by someone to the show and they reach right. out to them saying we're making a documentary about addiction and mm-hmm. we want to 
you know, <laughs> what an insult. experience. Oh my uh, God. And, and they pay them probably, you know, some amount of money, which is why some of these people agree. I'm not certain. I don't know. But right. in actuality, what is happening is they are recording this person's life culminating in an intervention that is recorded on and put on national television. Was um, this the, um, is this where the clip of that guy and he goes, deep down, I still love you. And he goes, like that. Oh, is that where that I think comes? so. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Can't help you if you understood that to the listeners yeah. who are listening to this, and you understand what the reference is. But that's him. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Oh, I need to go outside more. I should not recognize that. Talis, my audio engineer, I would love to see his face when he's editing this. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> because I'm doing this solo, so. Sorry, Dallas. So sorry. <laughs> Dude, was there just like a nice little peek there? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Dallas. Um, <laughs> We're off the rails. He's yes. never going to let me do this again. He's never uh, going to, but this is the last time. <laughs> oh my God. Keep going, Michael. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Stop yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, surprisingly, a very small number of people who have been on this show have actually sure. died. My friend was one of them. And, and <laughs> I, fucking oh, not friend. I guess I should say like acquaintance, like uh, this is a person I knew. I've I've been in her home because I know her sister. I'm I was friends with her sister. Um, Are you an interior decorating fan? What? Are you a fan of interior decorating? Uh, I'm not not a fan of it. It's fine. okay. Could you rate her home from an interior decorating point of view? It's a McMansion. Okay. Um. So it is. Uh. You know. Real. Six out of ten McMansion. That kind of bland competence. I'm just wondering if there was basically, in my experience, sometimes people who who do very serious drugs then buy very insane things for the house. No, like, okay, so this was so, not her house. She still oh, okay, lived okay, with okay. her parents, which is why I'd been over there. This is oh, like okay. the family home. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, that's a shame. I was hoping for like leopard print carpet or something. It's fine. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're really cool though. Where where are we going, Michael? Where are we going? I, I, where are any of us going to the grave, was... Jacob? <laughs> so that was the, that's the story that you knew somebody who was on the show. Yeah, that was the entire story. Oh, it's just like oh, hey, funny thing. <laughs> Fucking hell! I thought, I thought that was going somewhere. No, I thought, I thought you were gonna tell me that they died, that they died like like in my arms, the, like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you were fighting the police or no, something. I don't know. No, but <laughs> the 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 reason that this like the re- the only actually reason I know this is I was watching the show one day, like I had it on in the background, and yeah. like I was cooking in my kitchen, and like I hear a voice, and I was like, "Wait, is that?" And I look up, and it's a girl who is in who went to K through 12, like kindergarten through 12th grade with me on the oh, television on intervention. I was like, wait, what? Uh, and, and so that's the only reason I figured it out, but yeah, neat shit. I'm guessing you watched the whole show from then on, or maybe or did you turn it off and then you still want to look at it anymore? Oh, of course I watched the whole show. Yeah. Okay. Me? I'm a messy yeah hey, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jacob, what's your favorite drug you've ever done? Um, I'm actually a good boy. 
Oh no! Yeah, I'm actually. Good what are you boy. doing? I, it's it's it's. I I understand the allure of drugs. I understand why some people do them. I understand that. Um, Christ, you turned that. You did like a judo throw on me. We're interviewing me now. I do have a lot of questions about you and this show. <laughs> I could go for a while. <laughs> uh, basically, I understand that that like it, there's some lab results that say taking um certain drugs helps with depression and also like. Um, I think mushrooms help with depression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And also there's a uh, PTSD can be treated in some ways. And obviously like I come from, I've come from Europe. So, um, the Dutch attitude to like things like marijuana is, is very relaxed. Um, mm-hmm. in England and in, in, it's, it's a B class drug with a being the highest. So with like the mm-hmm. highest, uh, criminal. What's thing. another so, B class drug? I, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. Okay. I can tell you. You'd have to Google it and the listeners would have to Google it. I personally, though, this is my attitude here, I think is B, B is way too high. Um, <laughs> and uh, if anything, I would, I would, even though I don't partake, I would be in favor of regulation just for just for customer safety and also taxation. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's it, when you hear about like medical marijuana can help people with epilepsy, for example, and then the, my government's just not doing anything about it, you sort of feel like, well... You're missing a trick, maybe, potentially. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I happened to live in a state that will probably be the last to to legalize marijuana here in the States mm. because uh, it has a robust uh, liquor industry. Uh, oh, I see. And so the liquor industry is actively fighting against legalizing marijuana because people who use marijuana you drink less alcohol. They, like, substitute for one right. another. Of course. And so that's kind of shitty, right? Yeah, it is. And, it, and I used to sell um, alcohol. I used to sell um, craft beer. And I saw what that does to people. You know what I mean? Not just like, not just on a, a, a health w- a way, in a financial mm-hmm. way. I've sold, I've sold cans, single cans of beer that cost uh, 15 pounds. So that's more like 17, maybe 18 dollars, a single can. So these people are paying financially getting into debt over alcohol. So I don't understand this argument when people say like, well, alcohol's a lot better though. Is this not? It's it's all, no, it's, it's, all it's all one and the same, you know. It's, you're it's all... alcohol is so much worse. And in fact, if like you were to introduce these two drugs for the first time in 2021, mm. you know, this new drug alcohol and this new drug marijuana, like one of those drugs would be legalized and it would not be alcohol. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Can you can you advertise alcohol at the Super Bowl still? Is that still a? Th- I like, don't I know. know. I'm not a sportser. I don't mm. sports ball. Sorry. Well, I remember Budweiser did a few. I find that so bizarre that they that, so somehow cigarettes can't be on the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but alcohol can. I bet medications can too. You all can't have medications advertised on television, can you? We we can. Oh, we can. But what I find very interesting about the U.S. advertisement of pharmaceuticals is that you you have to legally disclose the side effects during your adverts, oh. which is incredible. In in the U.K., um, well, it's only like the the worst thing I've seen in terms of pharmaceuticals being advertised are things like um, heartburn medication, antihistamines. Pain, painkillers. Oh, so those are those are like over the counter things, like things that you right. can just go into a store and buy. You can't you can't advertise prescriptions there, can you? No, I don't think you can advertise prescriptions in um, 
in this country over traditional means. You'd have to go to a doctor and then they represent, they, then they give you something. But yeah, because in America you can. Which is, I mean, just bananas. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so but, funny. But, but, but what I love is that I, I've been to the doctors before and I've been like, can I have some, you know, can I have some medication for this? And the doctors got back to me and gone, okay, so I can offer you this and here's the side effects. And like one time the doctor recommended me something and it was like, you're going to bold, you're going to gain weight, you're going to have erectile dysfunction and you're going to sweat a lot. And you can face to face have this conversation and go, how is that going to fix anything that's going to make <laughs> my life worse? <laughs> and you can see in real time the doctor be like, hmm, yes. Well, I, I actually, I think I might be able to give some insight into this because part of my job, what, what I do, I am a statistician. I'm a biostatistician, and I work on I work on clinical trials, right? Mm. Uh, so I work on trials of new medications, and basically what those side effect lists are is they're just things that showed up that like there was a difference between the group taking the medication and things there weren't like kind of consistently. Basically, yeah. like things that are probably due to the medication, but you can't be sure. Which is of why course. like so many medications have like yep. you know. Headaches, nausea, mm. what have you. Even if it's like one in a hundred thousand, they still have to record it because legal. Yeah. Legal. But it's funny. Um, I had my Pfizer. I, I have a two Pfizer stabby stabbies, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, the nurse, uh, when I was getting my second dose, she was like, have you had any side effects? And I said, I had vertigo. And she said, you're the only person. Think of how many people that nurses has, has jabbed. And I'm the only one who had vertigo. So she had to write that down. So somewhere, I am the annoying statistical anomaly, which no doubt people like you will study. Well, here's the thing, is it's not an anomaly, because the thing about it is, is anything, like literally anything that is like mentioned in the same general time as the drug has to be reported if you're like the type of person who has to report those things. So if you're mm -hmm. like in a clinical trial or if you're a nurse giving out a kind of experimental medication or what have you, right? right. Uh, and you have to report back if someone reports a, a problem. Um, they're just recording anything. And so some of the things I see are things that are just like, uh, like you know, probably they had a burrito that day for lunch that's not <laughs> agreeing with them or something like that. But like it gets recorded. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised that it would be the first one because if anyone was like, "Ooh, stood up too quickly, a little dizzy there," you know, mm. it might be recorded as vertigo in in some settings. Interesting. Well, Michael, we are at the end of our time. We've actually done too much, which is hilarious. Yeah. So Dallas is gonna have to. He's probably gonna have to edit out the. Um, I don't know how much of this he's gonna edit out. I'll be honest with you. That's but. fine, <laughs> Dallas. I'm sorry I made your job so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas, buddy, you're doing great. He really is, honestly. He's honestly the light of this whole thing. He is the coal that goes into the steam engine. So, Michael, what we like to do at the end of the podcast, uh, at the end of our interviews with people, is we like to give them a little sh space uh, where they can do a shout out and they can they can talk about maybe a charity or a cause or maybe a project that they're they're part of or we've had some people shout out subreddits before or websites, um, or maybe even somebody you know of that needs a shout out and you can send them this eventually and they can have a little smile that you called them out, you know? So this is your time, this is your space, go. 
Yeah, I'll shout out the, in America, the National Association for Urban Debate Leagues. This is an organization that, I mean, I really can't speak enough. The national organization helps like coordinate all these, these local organizations. And there are a bunch, like over 20 local organizations that serve like cities and states all across America. And they, they like do it all. Like they, especially in the pandemic, they've helped students get technology, help them get coaching. They run the tournaments. They find the judges. They feed the kids at the tournaments when there were in-person tournaments. Like these debate leagues do everything and they are almost entirely funded by like donations and grants, right? So uh, if you go to urbandebate.org, you can uh, click find a league if you want to look for a local uh, one, see if there's one in your city, if you're in America uh, or in your state. Some of them are statewide, like Minnesota or Rhode Island, stuff like that. Uh, or if you just want to give money to the national organization um, and they really do work on like outreach and advocacy and uh, especially skills training and helping students afford camps during the summer, which are uh, important to improving a debate and getting a lot of community out of it. Uh, you can go to urbandebate.org slash donate dash now or just urbandebate.org slash donate. If you go to slash donate dash now, uh, you can get all the like tax information if you're the weirdo type of person who cares about that. Uh, but if you just go to urbandebate.org slash donate, you can just put in your credit card information and give them money if that's how you want to do it. And if there happens to be one near you, like in your city or in your state or whatever, uh, they're always, always, always looking for volunteers to like help judge tournaments. And I promise you will not be bored. I promise you will walk away impressed with like, how smart and how eloquent and how informed and how uh, persuasive like even middle school students can be. Uh, so urbandebate.org, the National Association of Urban Debate Leagues, I, I cannot speak highly enough of them and I cannot speak highly enough of the power of debate to like change lives, especially of students who you would not think of as a debater. Uh, so yeah, that's my pitch. We'll definitely put a link down um, in the bio of whatever um, podcast platform you're listening on. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful cause. I didn't actually expect, uh, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah, no, I, I just, I'm really passionate about it. Debate changed my life and I've seen the power of what it can do to students, so. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. There we go, guys. Michael from the Midwest. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Also check out that uh, the debate uh, charity or, or organization that he named National Association of Urban Debate Leagues. That's the one. N A U D L. A N B N A N A U D L. U D L. You know, I can drive a car. They actually give me a license to drive a car with this brain. You know that? Can you vote? Yes. Sorry, Dallas. Holy shit. Welcome back to a podcast with strangers. You have reached the middle part of the podcast. Now, usually, this is kind of embarrassing, but most big podcasts have a sponsor. You know, you're talking about your Squarespace, your HelloFresh, uh, your Raid Shadow Legends. Um, we don't have a sponsor. Kind of embarrassing. Not our fault. We just started, but you know. So, what me and Dallas thought is instead of selling you something from another company that we're not really affiliated with and you know, you know how it goes. It's support, but it's not personal, right? Instead, we thought we would recommend stuff that we personally would think that you love uh, or things that we think are important that you should check out. 
So do you want to go first, Dallas, or should I go first? I'll go first because yeah. I uh I'm just gonna I'm gonna shill my own podcast actually. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I do an RPG podcast called Fetty Scum. It's set in the Gundam franchise universe. Mm. And a lot of people don't listen to Gundam or watch Gundam, but we have an okay following. It's a very niche thing. So if you're into role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and Gundam and humor. It's it's really it's really focused on comedy. I think you might like it. So check it out. For those wondering what Gundam is, it's giant mecha. Oh yeah. Suit. Totally skipped over that. <laughs> With guns. Giant robot war machines and uh you know, we focus mostly on original series Gundam, the the anime that kind of premiered in the late 70s which has more to do with like the war aspect like it's very political there's a lot of uh it, the let's let's focus on the mobile suits more focus on the human experience during mm. war which is pretty cool because we uh make a lot of dick jokes and just ruin that whole atmosphere yeah <laughs> so there you go well, what can you say giant suits war dicks dicks yeah <laughs> <laughs> what could you want? Okay, so again, that's just a recommendation from us. Not sponsored at all. Yeah, um, you don't have to listen to it. No. In fact, I wouldn't blame you if you don't. <laughs> Not if you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is what it's all about. Okay, so my recommendation, and, and by the way, dear listener, this will change every week until we get a sponsor, until Raid Shadow Legends notices us, until we start, yeah. <laughs> until we can pay our bills. Promise I won't just shout out Fetty Scott. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> this, in, this recommendation section would change every week. Um, and I hope that you feel more valued as a listener. Like we're not trying to just throw something at you. Okay. So my recommendation is... Um, a charity that used to be called, I just realized, they used to be called Click Sergeant, which used to be uh, spelled C-L-I-C. Um, mm. But now they're called Young Lives Versus Cancer. Okay, that's a little more self-explanatory, I think. Yeah, I think. I what think, they do now. Yeah, but <laughs> they've always been like the charity of choice whenever I do something. And basically, cancer's shit. Cancer is fucking awful. But cancer in kids is the worst. Like, that's that's just... You can't say anything worse than that. And this charity helps, you know, to aim. Sorry, it helps to aim. <laughs> sorry, what? <laughs> this... Aim at cancer. <laughs> uh, so you could shoot cancer. This charity uh, aims to help whole families, um, just from like impact to treatment to to recovery afterwards. It helps with therapy and things like that. I thankfully never had cancer as a kid but i know of kids who did and i think click sergeant did a lot for them so if you have money to spare even one pound or one dollar whatever check them out i didn't mean to sound so somber after your <laughs> podcast maybe, maybe you should well if you went first i think <laughs> yeah. it would have made me a lot worse i think i would have turned out a lot worse <laughs> oh. Well, there you go, guys. Fetty Scum and Young Lives versus Cancer, which sounds like the worst Scott Pilgrim spinoff in the world. Um, <laughs> okay. The next interview we have coming up is with Julia. My next guest is Julia from Illinois. Julia, how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing great. Dallas, how are you? I'm doing okay. Dallas is great. But I'm going to ask Julia a question now. Julia, what is the best and what is the worst fruit? 
The best and the worst fruit. The best and the worst fruit. Oh my gosh. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with blueberries are the best fruit. Yeah, but they get soggy. They get yeah, soggy I, and mushy. But um, I picked those out. Okay, sure. <laughs> I did I did happen to cross some soggy blueberries today. Um, yeah. They did not bother me. Okay. Um, I picked them out and... Uh, I just I feel like they're they are very easily accessible. Yeah. Um. You can eat. I you know I eat them with everything. Sure. And the worst fruit. Now, this is controversial. You may get hate for this when you name the worst fruit. So be careful. What about jackfruit? I don't know that one. That's the one they make a chicken out of fake chicken. They, fake yeah. chicken. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's um, it's not delicious. I feel like I've just woken up in the twenty third century. What? Okay, so first of all, jackfruit. Yes. What does it look like? Can you describe it? Um, I know it's kind of spiky. Okay. I'm gonna look up a a picture just to get a good. And they make fake. They make fake chicken from this. Yes. Yeah. It's like a green spiky fruit. Um, Dallas has actually sent me a picture. No way! That looks fake. For listeners, uh, let me describe <laughs> this. This this has the same color as a tennis ball, and it looks like well, I'll be honest. It looks like testicles. Um, oh my god! But with 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 bobbles. Oh, now there's a yellow one. I'm sorry. I'm being bombarded here. I was not prepared for jackfruit. Yeah. And this is the worst one. Why do you think this is the worst one? Um. By itself, I don't think you can. I, I honestly, I don't know how to prepare it or cook it. And um, my mom actually is more adventurous in cooking than I am. And she actually, um, she went out of her way to cook with jackfruit. Mm. And um, it was probably the most horrible experience I've ever had <laughs> with a fruit. Um, I think it was dry. It, yeah. It just, it wasn't right. Um, I it's, would not try it again. It's huge. It's massive. It's a, you know, it's, it shreds apart, like kind of like chicken. It, people like to use it in place of chicken to make vegetarian dishes. Okay. Well, well Dallas is, for, for the listeners at home, and, and Judy, I hope you can see this too, but he's he's linked a picture of a woman uh, cradling, almost like the baby Jesus. <laughs> and um, it is, it's a huge fruit. It's It's the same sort of shape as a peanut. Would that be fair to say? It could be in the store. They're not that big. Oh, okay. So she's got an anomaly right there. Yeah. Right. She's uh, she's holding her prized jackfruit. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't. Um, if if you, I just I want to have you know just to give a word of warning to everyone out there. That be aware, if you try to cook with jackfruit, it's probably yeah. not going to be great. You know, you can actually um, you can actually hear rhubarb grow. No. You know Are that? you serious? Yeah, it grows that fast. A woman, there was a woman on the radio and she said that she um, she likes to sit in a dark room with her rhubarb by candlelight. And if you blow out the light, you can hear it grow. You can hear the stalks. If you were in a room with any fruit in the dark, what fruit would you be in a dark room with? <laughs> <laughs> would you like to listen to rhubarb? I guess. Is rhubarb a fruit? I never I actually don't know. thought it was a fruit. I thought it was a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat much rhubarb, but I think rhubarb kind of fell out of favor. 
It's not that fashionable. It's not delicious either. I've had like rhubarb flavored yogurt. Yeah. And um, I would stay away from that. Mm. It is like a vegetable, but I know people make jam out of it. That's so Ooh. weird to me. Yeah, I'm, yeah, they they make like rub, strawberry rhubarb pie. It's fiercely, <laughs> it is fiercely competitive in England. People growing prize rhubarb fiercely, very, very aggressive gardeners uh, with their prize rhubarb. I would never imagine that. Wow. Yeah. You've never decided to get into that into that field and grow uh, incredible vegetables. No, I, I. But I mean, maybe I should. Maybe that's the next big thing. To be completely honest with you, mm. would be uh, a rhubarb market. Rhubarbarian. There. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> give you a turn. So I heard on the grapevine, this little little fruit joke, um, that you have a story about MLM. Yes. Now, when I first heard MLM, I thought that meant man loving man, but I'm it's sure not. that would have been much, much more interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> love is love, you know, trials yes, and tribulations. It, it, yeah, it would be very, a very much more fulfilling uh, adventure than sure. what I've experienced. And this MLM was, it was, if I remember this rightly, it was centered around um, uh, trousers or leggings or something along those lines. Yes, leggings. And um, it really took off in the States um, in right. about two, uh, the year 2015. Okay. And for those who don't know, MLM uh, in this case stands for multi-level marketing, which is yes. also known as direct sales. And the idea is that it is a legal pyramid scheme. Oh, it's legal. It's a legal pyramid scheme. Yes. And it's legal because they give you a product to sell and to profit on versus just investing your money. Mm. But they're still asking you to invest large amounts of money into their product for you to sell it. Right. And um, currently on Amazon Prime, they released a documentary called Lula Rich. And it takes you through um, interviews through people in the top of the pyramid, maybe like the first three levels. Right. And um, they talk about how they were making $60,000 a month. Good Lord. Yes. On the on selling. But the money actually comes from the bonuses and the bonuses come right. from your downline, which are other people who have bought these clothing packs and they sell them, you know, to the people in their neighborhood, essentially. Yeah. So taking it back, a friend of mine, she was having her second child mm -hmm. and she was looking for a way to make money from home. Sure. It's a very admirable thing to do, you know? Yeah. It's, it's in the whole, the whole premise of LuLaRoe at the beginning was you could work part-time for full-time income. That's a big pull for a lot of people, I'd imagine. It's too good to be true. Sure. And it's something that a lot of people understandably scoff at. Mm -hmm. But at that time, the leggings that came from LuLaRoe were so in demand that that was appealing and it made that statement seem true. Right. So you can invest into LuLaRoe 
for a mere $5,000, but you don't get the leggings pack. You have to invest more money to get the leggings. Otherwise, you're just selling maxi skirts and some oversized shirts. So that $5,000 that you invest in, you would get in return a number of clothes. I'm assuming some stock. I guess that would be the the better way of putting it. You'd get some stock. Correct. Right. But But it wouldn't be the stuff that's hot on the market right now. Right. Yeah. You'd have to invest more. You'd have to buy more to maybe get some of the good prints, which they called unicorn prints because they make us a very limited amount of these really nice prints. Mm -hmm. So you have to be fast. It's they, their business was based on that sense of urgency. So when a seller got their stock in that seller um, was pressured to put that stock up right away so that they could sell as many of the good prints as they possibly could. The problem was is once their good unicorn prints were gone, their inventory was considered stale and you would often get repeat customers. And so those repeat customers would then not invest in your product. They would go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So you as a seller were then now stuck with maybe 600 pieces of clothing that won't sell. And now now you're pressured to invest more money so that you could possibly get more pieces of clothing that will sell. Right. And that was once a week. You had wow. to you had to keep buying an inventory. So your clothing stock would be astronomical and full of things that people didn't want. You had to buy stock to get access to the other stock, the better stock. It, it, so if I'm if I'm hearing this correctly, it didn't matter if the unicorn prints sell. You've got to sell the other stuff too to get access to the unicorn prints again. Is that have I understood that correctly? Yeah, the seller has to buy uh, the the unwanted stock and the and oh then, yeah oh so God. yes so what so what makes this different than a regular business is mm. that in a regular business, um, you know, in retail. You don't buy what you can't sell. Sure. It just goes to like TK Maxx or something. Or TJ Maxx is what you guys call it in the US. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you know, you'd you'd put it on clearance. You'd take it to, you know, it would be considered penny stock. You ship it back to the manufacturer, whatever you have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You wouldn't have that in your inventory anymore. Um, LuLaRoe told us that it was our fault as the seller the product was not selling. Right. And that was a big red flag for me. I was only Mm -hmm. in this for maybe seven months and they had weekly meetings with, you know, like the owners of the company, the, the, the very top of the pyramid, they would say, you know, we are not, we are no longer buying back any damaged goods because it's up to you as a seller to fix and sell those damaged goods. Wow. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So how hard was it to get out of this pyramid? So when we had initially signed the contract, there was a clause in there that said that they would buy if you if it was if LuLaRoe wasn't working out for you, they would buy the product back at wholesale mm-hmm. price. Mm-hmm. So you you shouldn't be, you know, th- that was the plan that we that my friend and I had is that she had taken out a credit card specifically for this venture and um you know our plan was initially to you know break even 
and then decide if it was going to go anywhere. The problem is, even though we broke even, the upline would tell us, you cannot make money if you don't reinvest your profit. So out of the seven months of working for, you know, selling this product, I did not see a single dollar. Wow. You know, it all got reinvested into the product. How can people live on this? It's an unsustainable financial engine. Then, like, if you were struggling, if you were struggling single mother, for example, like you couldn't feed your kids if no. you were involved with this. You're 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 absolutely right. And and a lot of the 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 women who did get into it, of worst cases, they they did fall into debt, and it was crippling. Mm. And in a lot of cases, a lot of women were only able to invest in this was through their husband's income. So a lot of women were, you know, lucky enough to where their husband could bail them out. But LuLaRoe also preached too that, you know, you should be able to get your husband to quit his job. Like that was, that was your goal is to Mm. get your husband, be so successful that your husband quits his job to help you sell the product. And that's more of a problem with the upper tier group. So if you could uh, send a message to everybody who's involved in uh, this company right now, um, what would you, so that's everybody from the bottom to the top, what, what would your message be? Uh, I, I'm honestly surprised you're still in it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't seen past it. Um, that would be my message. But again, it's, you know, the top is only successful because of the bottom. Right. So if, you know, you're just starting out, the market's already saturated. Mm-hmm. So you are, you're purchasing the clothing that is supporting the top sellers. Yeah. yeah. Because they're getting bonuses based on the seller's purchases, not their sales. So that's that's an even bigger problem. So even if you're, you know, if you're at the bottom and you're only, you know, selling one or two pieces of clothing a week, the only way that the top is going to succeed is if you keep buying inventory. So as you see, you know, I guess my message is just to look at your inventory, see how it's growing. You know, it's not your fault that it's not selling. People don't yeah. want it. You know, that's not good. That's not that's not normal business. No, it's definitely not. And it sounds like fast fashion gone turbo. I don't, yes. know if you know the ter- I don't know if listeners know the term fast fashion, but it's essentially disposable clothes, something you only wear for three years at most, toss it out, and then uh, it goes to landfill. Exactly. And then the, the problem is, is that, you know, these clothes aren't cheap either, mm. but they're made cheaply. Right. They, um, they pill almost immediately. No two garments are exactly alike even if they're the same print, sometimes they're made in a different country. So you'll have, you know, a shirt made in Taiwan and a shirt made in Vietnam and the arm sizes, one arm size will be skinnier than the other one. Wow. Yeah. That bad. <laughs> it got really, really bad. And, and, and you didn't realize it until you got inventory and you realized that, oh my God, 90% of this is not sellable product. You no, know, the 10% that, is will sell quickly of course but it's not enough to make money it's not enough to be one of these sixty thousand dollar a month lularoe saleswomen but i 
you know, it's it's not a stretch to say that that's uh, by design, which is yes. insidious. It, it, I mean, it all sounds insidious to begin with, but you know, legally, uh, I just want to say um, these are our opinions. They're not facts. Please don't sue us. <laughs> whoever, whatever legal team is listening to this. <laughs> if the Lularo legal team is listening. Well, I mean, it's proven. They have it on their documentary, you know, Lula Rich. Right. It's there. They have um, a specialist that, that on that documentary, he mm. blatantly says this, this is a structure that is set up to, you know, fail at the bottom. It just is. And the proof yeah. is, is right out there. So that's just how I'm sweating here. I'm thinking, <laughs> I, don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you anybody in trouble, of course, but me, me, me and Dallas you know. are just listening to your experiences, uh, but, but, but your experiences, uh, we also, uh, I should say our experiences. And, uh, if you want to look at facts or it, oh God, uh, Dallas, we should get someone from Lula row. Uh, on the next yeah, interview <laughs> to get the other side of it for sure yeah that's the hardest thing get get um get anybody involved in an mlm like um i think you know there's i don't even know what's po- i i totally blocked everybody who was doing direct sales on right. my face my social media feed yeah because i saw through it so quickly yeah and i and it's kind of scary how they're dialogue changes towards you it's like people that you thought were your friend now are like they're constantly trying to sell you an opportunity you know yeah you 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 get that a lot with people who have got a new project like they've just released an album or maybe they've made a film or something like that and they're like you got to buy it or you got to come see it and that's great but you know that there's you know some people are very shallow with that and that they only just want you to buy it for numbers and they wouldn't they, they'll open the conversation with it they won't ask you like anything else yeah it it's uh it's all for numbers it's yeah. it's uh it, it, and i can i can respect a hustle sure. you know i can respect a, a product that you know i can respect pride in a product but if you know your product is bad mm. and you're trying to get me to buy mass quantities <laughs> but i wonder if that comes out in like i wonder if that's more prominent with like social media like people linking their youtube vlogs or maybe like their. i always i used to stream on twitch and i used to feel a bit uh awkward and i was being like all right everybody here's you know to my friends i'm on twitch right now i wonder if it's the same sort of thing because you know it's it's attention it's numbers it's the same sort of thing so i wonder if that's just on the rise because of social media true and that's when when uh when i joined LuLaRoe, mm. that facebook live was a big was something that was coming out so sure. we would sell live like we were on a, a Q- Q- yeah, qvc exactly oh my yes. god i think twitch <laughs> might be a little different because um i did a little bit of streaming and it's actually kind of fun to like talk to your friends while you're sure. playing a game yeah i think it's more of a um, it can be it, it can be kind of you know, number driven, but at the same time, is if you're having fun, yeah. I think that's rewarding as well. It is, and they're not—they're not pouring money. They're just—they're giving you some other time. Yeah. So you can you can stream away. <laughs> well, I I find it very emotionally not emotionally. Uh, well, actually, I suppose emotionally, it's just taxing for me to be in, under the lens for so long and worry about being entertaining. You know, the whole time. Um, True. That's that's another story for another day. <laughs> yes. So, 
We'd like to give our guests at the end of the interview a space, a soapbox to stand on and to give a promotion to something that they care about, be that a charity, a cause, a project or somebody in their life that they uh, want to shout out. Um, and, and this is your time with no interruption um, to just talk about something. So without further ado, now is your time. Off you go. Oh boy, like, like uh, I can't even... You want to shout uh, a company? I don't know if you heard of them, Lula Row. If you want to shout them out, <laughs> no, I I'm definitely. It's so funny because I'm. It's a no. Don't uh, <laughs> stay away from. Actually, you know what I could shout out is um, the Reddit page um, anti MLM. It's all oh. one word. Yeah. And uh, they helped me see through the company. Mm. Uh, they helped me kind of get this perspective that wasn't uh that didn't seem to be allowed on main social media pages and feeds because right. nobody would say anything badly yeah. about the mlms if i looked it up even people who put on youtube you know they said oh i'm quitting LuLaRoe, but this is why and you think that yeah you're gonna get some really good uh information but they're just saying oh hey it just was too much for me you know, I just don't have the drive or the personality or the time to do this. It's all my fault. And in the anti-MLM Reddit page, it was it's a group of people saying that, no, it's not their fault. It's set up to fail. And they call out all these, um, all the MLMs that you can, you could possibly think of. And they're saying, beware, if your friend is, is contacting you based on, you know, and, and telling you about this great opportunity, come here look it up it's an mlm it's right. not worth it so i i would definitely give them a shout out they they're so it's so funny you know they <laughs> they post some great comebacks um <laughs> to the the people who are who are searching for uh recruits so yeah i i think that would be my uh my themed shout out <laughs> so uh anti mlm on on reddit um, and I'm sure if you check it out, you can also see some ways to protect yourself um, from from the strategies um, and maybe break your heart reading about some stories about people getting into uh, crippling debt. That might be uh, if you want to spend your time reading about <laughs> the, these awful stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, there yeah there are some sad stories, but again, it's it's people who've who've um, kind of come into this light they've they've learned some harsh lessons and they want yeah. to teach people they want their stories to be told so that they can prevent others from getting into it and then there's mm. even kind of like a support group about it is that mm. you know you know when people's family members or friends are involved they give you advice on how to talk to them because right mm. now they're on a high they're on this high that they've been lured into that they're gonna they're gonna change their life they're going to live this better life they're not going to you know they're going to be their own boss and yeah. make their own hours and stuff and yeah it's 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 a pipe dream yeah well thank you so much for your uh, uh informative when we started this podcast we wanted to do informative and educational and, and engaging conversations i think this is this is ticked all the all the boxes so thank you so much for your time yeah no problem thank you guys and welcome back to a podcast with strangers. I want to say a big thank you to our guests, Michael and Julia, for being here. 
well, they're not here, but being part of the first podcast. And thank you, um, the dear listener, for listening to it. And I hope you enjoyed yourself. And also thank you to Dallas. No, thank you. Oh, well, thanks to myself for, for doing yeah. so much. I really hope you tune in again. If you're listening on iTunes, just a small favor. If you could rate us whatever you think is fair, five stars would be great if you could do five stars. And if you could possibly leave a comment with some feedback about what you think we're doing right, what you think we're doing wrong, or maybe just say that you're enjoying the podcast, it would help us loads. Things like that really, really help with us getting traction and also it helps us make a better podcast. So please rate and review if possible, if you're listening on iTunes. If you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, the handle is at StrangersPDCST. That is, again, our Twitter is at StrangersPDCST. And if you're listening and you'd like to be on the show, you want me and Dallas to interview you, and you can talk about your wild and wondrous pastimes. Yeah, your insane hobbies. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe you don't have any hobbies and that's your hobby. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Maybe you hunt werewolves. Maybe you have a real sexual thrill for baked beans. Maybe <laughs> you live in Iceland. We want to talk to you. So if you want to be on the show, email us a podcast with strangers at gmail.com. That email address again, a podcast with strangers at gmail.com. I believe Dallas is going to put all this in the in the bit. The, in the description. Yes. Description. In the description. I have brain wrong um <laughs> if you'd like to join us for the next episode for episode two a sneak peek i'll give you a clue of what's coming up two suck boys i'll repeat that again two suck boys if you want to find out what that means you have to tune in next week for a podcast with strangers episode number two the word for this week is listening. The word for this week is listening. That's that medium.